I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls and the phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. If you need to get your fill of BYU today, you're going to be able to do that. We have pregame coverage that is going to begin at noon, and this extended pregame coverage is sponsored by UCCU, Love Where You Bank. And then, of course, we'll have the full game coverage as well. But you can catch that pregame coverage at noon here on KSL News Radio. Let's go back to our phone lines or to our text lines, Ton. Uh, next listener would like to know, how do you prep seascape strawberries and primocane blackberries for the winter? They're all in raised beds. These strawberries probably should be covered with a some sort of a mulch. The traditional mulch to cover those is about six inches of straw. Just because it's loose enough, you know, we talked about earlier, we don't want to smother our plants. And that straw is has an insulation value to keep them from freezing, but it's loose enough that it allows oxygen and water, water penetration into the soil. So that's what I would do with that. And I, you can pick up a bale of straw like IFA. You may. You read my mind. I'm like, and where do you buy straw? Usually IFA may be Cal Ranch, but IFA usually has... Uh, hay and straw that you can buy by the bale. It's this time of year. It's a little expensive, but I doubt you would need more than one or two to get the job done. The other places you can find those are if you live in more rural areas, there are still farmers that will sell by the bale that mm-hmm. you might be getting, might be able to get them a little less expensive. Yeah, I used to see them more commonly like outside the grocery store at Halloween time for you to create your own little landscape in your yard with, you know, but I, I don't think I saw any this year. No, I, there's just shortages again. Of the, hay? Of, of hay straw? and straw. Oh A lot goodness. of our hay, and this straw. is, it. I mean, I don't blame the farmers because you've got to do what makes you money to keep your farm going. Sure. But there's just a general shortage of hay because of drought. But a lot of our hay, especially the premium, well, I guess what we would call dairy quality hay, is actually shipped to China, Japan, and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. The Intermountain West has perfect conditions to raise the protein value of alfalfa. And so if you are running a dairy in areas where alfalfa doesn't do well or raising horses where, you know, say the Middle East where it's extremely hot – 
the alfalfa will grow in those areas, but there's not as much protein value. And so Colorado, Utah, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington, Nevada, Northern Arizona, a lot of the premium hay that are fed to like multi-million dollar racehorses comes out of this area because it's one of the best alfalfa growing regions in the world. And so because a lot of our hay leaves Utah, a lot of it goes to Florida, you know, just again for horses and things, there's not a lot of hay here and the what does stay is expensive. And so, you know, 20 years ago, it's going you might, for a better purpose than decorating. Let's put it. That it way. is. But a lot of local people that have hobby farms and things are upset because even though we probably grow enough hay here to more than supply what we need, market demands say that that hay goes out of the state because the farmers get a lot more money for it. And so... Well, they have to make a living. Yeah, and so straw, even though it stays locally a lot more, there's less land that it's grown on, and it's become a lot more expensive because there's need for it in agriculture, but we also like to put it on our porch for Halloween and Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. And so what straw is available is also much more expensive. Well, and the other point is if you are using it for decorative purposes, uh, make sure you use it for other purposes in your yard after Yes, yeah, save it and or just throw it away. You know, if you want a project, you know, you can turn a straw bale into a temporary raised bed. And so you can read online how to do it. And what you're trying to do is get the inside of the bell partially rotted so you would keep it wetter where you have it in place. And as that breaks down a little bit, you can actually plant, you know, tomatoes and peppers and things. Like put some soil in there? No, 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 you just grow it right in the partially decomposed straw. And so you can do straw bell gardening. You can use them to sur- make a surrounding area to put soil, like artificial soil, in to make a raised bed. And at the end of the season, you just kind of mix it all up and let it decompose. So there are a lot of uses for straw bells that we don't really consider here that if you want something different or just, you know, want to try something with your kids or something, straw bell gardening can be quite fun. I thought I'd seen all the Instagram reels. I never saw that on Instagram. No, I mean, (laughs) it's one of those that it was, again, something that came around five, six, seven years ago. Oh, it's just not popular. And it's not popular. You know, it's just, you know, this lasagna gardening and all these things that are just, you know, it hits for two or three years until the next um, Pinterest craze or whatever it is. But yeah, you can use straw bales for a lot of different things in your garden. Okay, good to know. Next listener would like to know, is it too late for grass seed? No, it's not. It's not going to germinate, but you can put grass seed down and as long as the soil stays moist, it'll germinate in the spring. Uh, they'd also like to know, is it too late to transplant black eye Susans and peonies? No, it's not. The peonies... You can, I would get done as long as if your ground is frozen, it is because you don't want to be out there with a jackhammer trying to jackhammer it apart. But as long as the ground's not frozen, you can transplant both. Okay. Linda is on the line in Riverdale. Good morning, Linda. What is your question? Hi, just quick question. So a lot of my neighbors trim up all of their flowers, cut them down, trim them up and make everything look nice and neat. I leave mine till the spring, so I've heard it kind of adds more protection if you leave it. So what is the best thing, trim it all down in the fall or trim it all down in the spring? Whatever you want to do. 
There's advantages and disadvantages. Leaving them, especially if you have perennials that Mm self-sow, you will leave those seeds there and birds will come in and use them for winter forage in a lot of cases, especially if Uh you have daisies and things. The um, seed as it is smashed down or the plants are smashed down by snow will disperse a little bit. Uh, JD talked, came on last week to talk a little about this and he was just like, either way, I personally like to clean them up because I don't like to try to clean them in the spring when snow smashed them and they partially decomposed. You know, I was just soggy. Yeah. And soggy. I was in my, I went into the office yesterday and snow had already split out their grasses, the perennial grasses. Mm -hmm. And so you know, a lot of people say, oh, leave those grasses through winter. Well, they may mm-hmm. add some forage and things, but as far as ease of cleanup, it's much easier to do in late October or early November than in April or May. Linda, I do a little bit of each. No, I do a little bit of each. I mean, like some of those grasses are really pretty, and I have a hard time right now just mm-hmm. lobbing them off because they're so pretty. I'd mm-hmm. rather see them through the winter and then they get smashed down, and okay. it's a pain to clean them up. But so, yeah, do a little bit of both or uh, whatever you want. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Great, Linda. Thanks so much for calling this morning. Uh, next listener, Tan, says they have a Japanese maple. It's about 10 years old. It's become very thick and bushy. Should they prune or thin it? And if so, when should they do that? Boy, I would Don't leave Don't touch it. The snow just alone. broke a huge branch of mine. Yeah, even in the spring, if you start pruning on a Japanese maple, you're highly likely to introduce verticillium or phytophthora or another disease into it. And so if you need to prune it to, because it's growing too close to a window, you only take out the offending branch and just leave it alone. But Japanese maples, if they're doing well, you leave it be. They are such beautiful little trees. They are. So my lice leaf, the snow, though, we, I didn't get the snow off of it quickly enough, and it did break one of the branches. And I was like, oh, oh, heartbroken. Yeah, it's one of those things. And so if we get heavy snow, uh, you can use a broom to try to knock the snow off. Another solution is a leaf blower. And so if you use that leaf blower and just kind of get it forceful enough to blow the snow off the branches, you may do a little less, not you're doing major damage with a broom, but because you're not pushing and jiggling and things, it's just the air, mm-hmm. you can get the snow out of it more quickly and there's slightly less risk of breaking it if you try to start shoving things with a broom right. or a pole. It's just early in the season when it still has leaves on it that it's a problem. Yes. After that, it's not it's not a big deal. Not nearly as much. I went into work in Orem and I noticed there was an article on KSL about it, but there were not major limbs, but there were broken branches all over the city mm-hmm. from the wet snow, and the leaves haven't dropped yet. Yeah. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse on this kind of dreary Saturday morning. Thanks for thinking about gardening with us and all the green things. Even though Dave Meekham is planning is praying for six feet of snow and keeps rubbing it in that it's the most wonderful time of the year. For those people who can stay inside, it is for sure. Uh, back to our questions and our callers. Uh, the next texter, Ton, lives in Midway. They say, is it too late for fall fertilizer? They do have some snow on the ground. I get it down. It'll melt the snow off a bit. Take that, Dave. And <laughs> then it will actually work its way into the soil Aww. just fine. So get it down. Even though we're getting cold, the roots are still actively growing and will absorb a lot of that nitrogen and use it in the spring. Okay. And that would be for anyone, too, because uh, we have a couple of callers or texters asking about the same thing. Hey, can I get in one more round of fertilizer? Yeah, they definitely can. Uh, next listener wants us to go back to an earlier question. How do you prep primocane blackberries for the winter? I wouldn't do much. Just you want to be doing your pruning more in mid-March. And I would just, anything that looks like snow will split out. They can cut back, but I would leave things alone until March and because, like, pruning blackberries is almost like trying to explain how to ride a bike over the radio, <laughs> I've texted two people USU's fact sheet on blackberry care, and uh-huh. it does have primocane uh, pruning in there and how to do it. And so I would just refer to the fact sheet. Okay. And for those people who you didn't send that to, where would they find that fact sheet? Well, for Easiest the way to find low it. payment of 99 cents on Venmo, oh, I'm just kidding. Stop. I didn't even get Venmo out before you got me. Stop. No, if you... 99 cents got me. Yeah, if you Google USU and BlackBerry Care, Mm -hmm. it'll bring up the fact sheet really easily. Um, You know, what I should... The Primocane BlackBerry, we should describe the difference. A Primocane BlackBerry or Raspberry are the Everbearers. And so you will get a summer crop and then a late summer into fall crop Mm -hmm. off of them, but they don't bear incredibly throughout the entire season. You just always have a supply. So there could be some lag points in between, but that's what primocane means is it's the first year. Primo means first. So it's that first year wood that will produce berries. But what will happen the next year is the wood that produced those fall berries gives you the next summer's berries. Oh, okay. And so they double crop. But after they've produced during the summer, they die, and you can cut them out. But there's some other pruning techniques to keep them more compact because blackberries can easily spread 30 feet, and you don't really want that because you can, through pruning, keep a blackberry plant 8 to 10 feet wide very easily. Okay. Uh, Next listener would like to know, is now or late winter best to transplant small Honey locust starts. Oh, this is an interesting question 
because honey locusts that we plant in our yards are generally seedless mm-hmm. and they're thornless. The actual Latin name, Gladesia triacanthos oh inermis, the inermis refers to being thornless. And so the wild species produces lots of seed and they are formidable in the number of thorns they have on the trunk and major limbs. They can be a couple inches long. And so if you have seedling honey locusts coming up, I would never transplant those into my yard because they have about a 95% chance of being thorny because the thornless nature of the ones we plant in our yards is a recessive gene trait. And the dominant trait is to have thorns all over the tree. And so it's one of those that if you were playing football and threw your football against the trunk, you would pop oh, your no. football or if someone ran into it, it could be a real hazard. And so if you have honey locust starts, you do not want to be transplanting them unless you are sure that they are the thornless honey locust. Boy, did that person open a can of worms. Well, I, I thought it was an interesting topic because we don't see wild honey locusts that often unless you've lived in rural areas along ditch banks and things where they sprout. But they are formidable, nasty trees. So if you wanted to keep someone out, maybe. Yes. I mean, these are the ones that you plant along the border of the neighbors that have been problematic or, you know, not really. But, yeah, they are not a desirable landscape. Sounds like a liability is what that sounds like. Okay. Next listener says uh, they want to plant some October glory maples over a six-inch irrigation pipeline that's buried about four feet deep. They're wondering, though, whether the roots will bother the pipeline. My bigger concern is October Glory is a type of sugar maple or red maple, Mm -hmm. and it struggles in our soil. And so unless they live on the east bench where they have a little more moisture with really well-drained soil, there's a good chance that those trees will just struggle. And so putting them over the top of a six-inch pipeline is also bad, bad because if the utility company needs to work on it, they're going to uproot those trees. They're just going to take them out and charge you for it. And there's a high likelihood as those roots grow that they'll heave the pipe and crack it. So how far away if they do decide after all the things you just said? (laughs) 10 to 15 feet. Oh, okay. That's pretty significant. It is. I mean... For just, if you want a red maple, the one we highlighted this morning, the um, Norwegian sunset would be much better. That could be eight or 10 feet away, but that's my recommendation. Okay. Not your favorite? No. Okay. Uh, Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. On a day like today, Tom, the only thing that I'm going to want to do in my yard is some quick... Uh, picking up branches that the snow broke. Yeah, it's colder. We can be doing some things out there still, cutting back perennials and grasses. You can be putting mulch in your garden, fertilizing the lawn. If it's dry enough, you can even mow. You know, there are several things we can be doing, but with this cold, it makes it less desirable to be out there. Do you think? Yeah. For everyone but Dave and skiers. Yeah, our ski resorts sound like they're opening soon. Well, and if you run, at least you get warm enough so that you can generate yeah. some, you know, heat around you. But yeah. But for a lot of us, uh, we're going to 
So this is when I start dreaming about next year and what I want to plant in my yard for next year or uh, working on my terrarium and making sure my little, you know, plants are doing well. Yeah, 9 o'clock hour actually gives us a whole list of things that we can be doing garden-wise in our homes or around our yards that will keep us from being bored. And so it kind of leads into the next hour to where, you know, there are actually things you can be doing indoors for gardening to kind of scratch that itch that you need to and give you that hobby in the summer. No, it's not as extensive, but there's so much you can do in the winter indoors as far as growing plants and other horticulture related themes that that'll be a good discussion at the, in the next hour. Right. The problem with for me this time of year is I like to go outside for a few minutes. I like to breathe the fresh air. I like to walk around my yard, even if it's just, you know, before work to water a few things that I might be a little concerned about. I can't tell you how much that elevates my mood just to go outside for. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.